Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Um, today, Melinda and I are having a chat to uh, a special guest, Andrew Burke from Ray White Special Projects, I should say. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks very much for having me, Scott and Melinda. Yeah, look, Andrew's um, here today to provide an update on some the pipeline, really, for the future supply for southeast Queensland. Um, we're going to get a bit of a market update in terms of land subdivision opportunities, what's out there, what's selling, um, and which pockets are going to see the most future supply in that way. Also, we're going to look at some unit sales, um, in, sorry, not units themselves, but unit site sales, um, those types of developments that um, people can knock down and create units um, on and that tells us what the future supply in that area is and then we're also going to look at townhouse sites so we're going to take a deep dive into each of those three areas but Andrew's probably best to describe what he does so um, over to you Andrew and you can just let our listeners know you know what is the specialty of your agency. Yep hello listeners so Andrew Burke is my name uh, I work for Ray White Special Projects I'm 45 I've been in the industry since I was about 20 Look, there's lots of different Ray White franchises. Most people associate Ray White with just selling their local houses. I work for a specialist division. We, we, we specialise in the sale of development sites, predominantly residential development sites. So we sell the land to the developer and the developer will build units, townhouses, land subdivision sites, houses, uh, redevelopment, childcare sites. Uh, school sites, so predominantly residential development sites. So we sell the land to the developer. We don't get involved with selling the end product, but obviously what the end product is selling for is very important because it drives the demand for the developer. Yeah, and I think that's really important um, to to bring up on this podcast because when we know what the pipeline is for future projects through someone like Andrew who can provide that you know intel in terms of what's happening right now, it shows what may be coming in the future in terms of new house and land packages and where. It tells us what's coming in the future in terms of new unit developments and what sizes they are. And it also tells us what's happening in the townhouse section of the market. And this is all relevant for supply. And remember, when we talk about property, it is the balance between supply and demand that drives property value. So this is a really exciting episode and I hope you um, get a lot out of it today. So Andrew, can you just tell me where do you actually... Where are you active? Is it just southeast Queensland? Well, we're predominantly southeast Queensland, but we do we do travel with sort of key clients in a regional areas. So mostly southeast Queensland, a bit of northern New South Wales, but we sort of have listings up and down the up and down the coast. I've yep. got something at Early Beach development site, Early Beach, Maribyrnong, Gympie. Uh, but the majority of of development sites we're selling are in uh, Brisbane, Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast. So let's start with land subdivisions, Andrew. You know, what's actually happening out there on the ground in terms of, you know, sites that um, have that type of potential? Look, every agent is at risk of inflating their own market, telling you it's absolutely <laughs> booming. But the demand for land, for land subdivision sites, is unparalleled since potentially, e easily the best it's been since before the GFC. And off the back of the um, home builder stimulus from home, the government. Home, home builder's been the main reason. Low mm. interest rates, the home builder stimulus. And there's a certain timeline on when that government incentive will expire. And the thing where land has had the advantage is that land, land and houses can get out of the ground very quickly. Mm. If you're building a, 
you know, a 30, 30 story unit block of residential units, it's, it's not going to be, by the time you get your zoning, your approvals, whatever it is, and you build it and get your title, that, that government grant will have finished. Mm, that's right. So we saw a real, a real a massive surge in demand uh, for land from about Q3, Q4 last year. Yep. Now, these in Globo land parcels, which become future subdivisions, are predominantly located on the outskirts of town. So what um, shires are you seeing the most supply come through? Well, it's, yeah, look, I'll answer that question in a second, but the key thing is wherever people could get an approved land subdivision site has boomed. Yeah. Within, you know, within a metropolitan area. Mm. I'm not saying that regional areas have boomed, but wherever there's slightly constrained land supply, if you could get it approved and get your title, it, it absolutely rushed out the door. All the brand new estates... Um, and if you look at in you know, a lot of those are located in several corridors, the, the northern corridor between here and the Sunshine Coast, the Logan Corridor on the way to the Gold Coast, the eastern corridor is out towards Redlands is quite constrained with ecological constraints and, um, and that sort of thing. So there's not a lot of demand, not a lot of land left down there. But look, and the western corridor is the big one where there's, an, look, there's pretty much an endless supply. Mm. So, so that's between Brisbane and Ipswich. Yep. So anything that could get a title and could be sold quickly, absolutely, absolutely went out the door. So all those big sales centres and all those new estates, you know, the glamorous sales centre and the team of stuff, they all for all their sales were massively beaten. You know what they'd forecast. So it was a massive win for them. It's going to be interesting to see whether that was a bit of a sugar rush, whether those people who were buying Q3, Q4 in the start of this year, maybe they intended to buy the latter half of this year and it's just brought them forward. Mm. So it'd be interesting to see whether that was a bit of a sugar rush and it does sort of die down a bit. Our research and indicators are that it'll keep going. Right, yeah, just based on the demand and the population movement. Population, right, all the stuff you guys know, you know, affordability, that, yep. that sort of thing. Okay. So you, what, from what you've said, um, the area that had the greatest amount of um, supply risk, if you like, is that Western Ipswich corridor. That's where the greatest amount of um, those types of land subdivision opportunities are. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. It's just uh, the supply is, is endless out there. But having said that, they're, they're getting very strong demand because it's the most affordable part of southeast Queensland. Yeah, okay. The most affordable house and land areas. So just to clarify for the listeners, we're talking blocks of land, 300 to 400 square metres, low set brick homes, and uh, mostly first home buyers yeah. with some investors as well. And so the cost per square metre of land in that corridor would be significantly less than the cost per square metre in other corridors. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. And and the big thing is it's also the cost to deliver. It's a very unglamorous yeah. world of uh, land subdivision sites. What drives value is not as much the proximity to the services and the glamorous view, it's sewer and water. <laughs> the stuff no one wants to talk no, about. <laughs> and, and, and we'll quite often meet lovely owners on site who have lovely acreage and tell us how great their property is, but if... If the sewer is too far away, it's it's a development killer. It won't work. Yeah. Correct. There's issues with storm water, that sort of thing, delivering the water. It's, it's quite a lot of technical constraints which drive the value, ecological constraints. You know, a lot of sites, 
koala overlays are quite a big thing. And biodiversity. Yeah, biodiversity. It all comes down to net developable area and also the cost to deliver it. Absolutely. Mm. So, so what about then if you move back in closer towards the CBD? There's just so what, few opportunities. What's, is, what's the biggest demand on that? Um, it's Well, if you can find land, yep. it is. Look, an example is we're selling a site for three and a half hectares at Currabee, Brisbane South Side. Look, we've got over 100 inquiries so far. Yep. Mm. Now, the, the site does have some technical constraints, but that's what these people do for a living. Yep. They'll work with which trees you have to keep, how to bring the sewer in, this sort of thing. It's mm. just it's just a matter of, it's a simple formula for these guys. They can work it out, but can't stress how strong it is to buy land. And it's really driven by the underlying house price growth all around it. And who are these developers? Are they local or are they interstate or are they? They're, they're predominantly local, um, but we're seeing increasing interest from Sydney and Melbourne guys. Yeah. But a lot of owners are thinking, oh, I'll just get a Sydney buyer and he'll buy it. Like, these people aren't schmucks. They do their they do their research. They're not just mm. going to come up and drop five million dollars in development site. They'll have had someone on the ground. They've probably put in three or four offers on other properties, which didn't end up proceeding. And it takes a long time for these guys to get skilled up in the market. But they're seeing a lot more interest from interstate, mm. um, and to a lesser extent, some of the Hong Kong and Singaporean guys. But they'll generally have Hong Kong and Singaporean invest. Uh, they'll have a guy on the ground who knows the, the lie of the land here and mm. and that guy will tap back to Asia for the money to come in to get it done. Interesting. And so that's obviously there's been a bit transacting recently. What about the pipeline? What does that look like for you? Uh, it's just like all agents trying to get trying, <laughs> trying to get supply of stock to, to sell. Yeah. And um, so, so for land, it's, it's, it's quite hard because there's just not much around. And I do stress it's the infrastructure and ecological constraints which are driving that. There's, yeah. there's a lot of unlocked land what they call at Caboolture West, mm. which is proving to be, which there's some really large land holdings by some significant property players out there. But the Moreton Bay Regional Council hasn't quite unlocked the infrastructure around that. So when they work out how the sewer and stormwater, those kinds of interesting things work, that opens up a lot of supply out there. But if you look at the southeast Queensland footprint for development, what what they've targeted is this is where development for residential living is going to occur. There's not a lot of large land tracks. Mm. And the southerners are finding, because it's so fragmented compared to, say, Melbourne, where they have these endless plains and they're outskirts of town, they can't get enough scale in southeast Queensland. They can't go and put their foot on a property and bang, get 700 lots. Mm. It's not of interest to them to go and pick up something to go forty lots. So uh, yeah, yeah, scale is is one thing to work on. Funny because it, like we were talking about when I said coming in closer, it's it's something that we have inquiries about, and and people talk about it quite a lot. Um, sometimes agents laugh at us when we talk to them about it, and we ask about splitter blocks uh, in <laughs> Brisbane, and you're you're grinning straight away. So they're just hard to get. But, yeah. Uh, look. Look, it's, we've sold a couple and, yeah, extreme amount of interest in it. Mm. Yeah, and it's pushing the price up, obviously. When you get a splitter with a post-war in a premium location, um, you know, who knows what the end value will be because yeah. there's so much demand at the moment. And, and even we've had sites earmarked as potentially townhouse sites. They have multiple uh, multiple titles and we're finding housing markets so hot, 
the highest and best use is quite often just house and land that's using right. those existing titles. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. And right. that's an interesting thing and um, an important point for, for people to, to understand just because you can achieve a higher density on a site, it depends on the market and what the, the market demands in terms of what a developer would actually end up building. We, we see it all the time. There's We generally will market a site expressions of interest or auction. We won't have a price on it. We might have some perceived ideas what the highest and best use is, but we try not to be too preemptive about it. The danger is for an owner who will see the high, who will see a potential use via their their architect or what the zoning will allow. Hypothetically, they might say, "Okay, we're going to do a scheme, a scheme done for nine levels," and we're going. There's not going to be no one's going to have any interest in units on this site, mm, and they'll yeah. charge down the track getting that approval and the complexities involved with that. And we're going, "It's the wrong approval." Listen to what the market wants. Correct. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Makes so much sense. We've had some conversations in some past um, podcasts where Mona and I have been talking about um, how things are changing in southeast Queensland. We're getting a lot of migration, a lot of southerners moving up this way probably tend to, I think I mentioned about a week ago that Queenslanders like to live in a house. Um, (laughs) But other people tend to like, and it will probably change. Um, Looking forward, obviously, as we've we've talked about as well, about the Olympics coming up, if Mm. we do get that, the unit supply we don't seem to have the cranes up in the skies at the moment. What are the unit sites? Yeah, look, it's, like? it's, it's important. And when people always talk about what's the market doing, without sounding really like a property nufty, it's just like which market in particular. You've really got Correct. to drill Correct. down. And even if you say units, you've really got to drill down further. So it's well documented the supply in the inner city is, you know, it, it's underwhelming. It's... So all these developers, the big developers, are trying to get on board because there's quite a lag between when the market's going to happen mm-hmm. to having the site and getting it out of the ground. Mm-hmm. So the, the issue is, once again, scale. I mean, there's there are developers looking back in the city and within three kilometres for big unit sites, talking West End, Kangaroo mm-hmm. Point, you know, Tawong, that sort of thing. They're out there looking. Yeah. And there's a handful of quite active ones, but, you know, they're trying to get the scale, having to put you know put together two, two or three neighbouring properties to make it to happen. Mm. So that's that's on the way forward. It's happening. So it was started to happen early two thousand and twenty, and it, hit, it just went on ice while COVID happened. But they're, they're all back out there looking again. Mm. So that's that's going to happen. The other thing is, if you drill down into the unit market, would be sort of the medium to low density. Yep. that is on the rise. And it's just, yeah. and once again, it's driven by the underlying house price growth around it. So, you know, if someone's 10 kilometres from the city, they can't afford that house there, they'll look at they'll look at a medium density product. So we're seeing uh, those suburbs five kilometres and outwards just starting to get a bit more interest. Look, we're selling a property at Mount Cravat at the moment. It's 4,900 square metres. You could do five storeys. And we've been just put on the market last two days. There's been a ton of inquiry, more than we thought. A lot of interstate interest as well. And it's driven by the fundamentals. What are they? It's close to a major shopping centre. You can walk to a local shopping centre. It's near a university, which gets your tenants, that sort of thing. So it's low low to medium rise units are happening, but they're not sizzling hot. I think it's a space to watch. So listeners probably make sense to get in there and buy now. 
Mm. It's an interesting thing that you, you mentioned also that, you know, the product that people create depends on that local market. And you just mentioned Mount Gravatt and, you know, being close to the shopping centre, being close to a university precinct, developers would be recognising that and building the end product to match that demographic and that market. But obviously, as you move into um, some of the more exclusive suburbs around Brisbane and you are looking at the boutique unit market, it, we're really targeting a different end user, aren't we? And that, that market hasn't really stalled. It's, yeah. it's very hot. You know, we're, we're talking sort of, and it's targeting all owner occupiers. So, yeah. you know, New Farm, Tenerife, you know, those sorts of well-to-do areas. That's what people want. There's, there's, the high end is still there. Yeah. So, um, so high-end unit market has been on and, and, fire and, and, and it hasn't and the, slowed down. The difference where the other part of the market slowed down is that the financial regulations lending to investors yeah. and it became a lot harder to lend to investors, which crueled a lot of part of that, that bulk part of the market, which was the high rise in the more affordable sector for tenants. Mm. But the, the high-end river views, eight, you know, eight, under eight or nine storeys, that, that's, that's still hot to try. And what impact did um, some more recent modifications to the Brisbane City Plan have on on this unit segment of the market? Yeah, it's it's been it's um, outside sort of beyond just beyond, beyond the CBD. There's been some car parking restrictions where mm. the council is insisting upon more on-site parking per unit. Correct. Yeah. And what that does is that it basically affects the amount of units going to end up being developed per site. And the reason for that is if you have to have more basement car parking, it, it really hurts the cost of construction. I mean, the rule of thumb I've always been taught is that for every level down you go with basement, it's double the cost per, per mm. cubic metre. So uh, owners might have a site they thought was getting, you know, 40-odd units and basing their value on that, and maybe it's now that developers only view it as a site they could get, I don't know, 25, 30 units so it's making a significant impact, but there probably hasn't been enough transactions for people to notice about it. Mm. What you'll find is most owners who are thinking about selling had a figure in mind based on the old rules and it's taken them a while to adjust the new rules. Yeah, really, the development mm. yield has significantly decreased as a result of the, the changes. It's it, it's going to be a major, a major impact on the market. Mm. And it'll be interesting to see how that um, rolls out in the future with the the potential price that people can achieve for these sites. As you say, that they've de-densified the potential yield mm. through these um, Brisbane City Council changes. So it's definitely something that people need to keep in mind, especially, you know, the larger the sites. But it can also impact just your smaller sites where you might have previously been able to achieve five or six, but now that's dropped down to, you know, four or five and, you you know, your feasibility does not stack up when no. you're paying the same as your, your purchase price when you're looking at, you know, dropping one or two of the units off the no, potential sales value. Absolutely. So then do they move to townhouses? Well, I'd like them to. Um, unfortunately, Brisbane City Council has, has been a bit problematic with townhouses and I, I, I think it's a mistake from Brisbane because you, you you can't have everyone living in units or out, out in the Badlands, you know. it's Correct. There's got to be a middle ground. Um, speaking of council changes, the council have brought in some sort of changes to do with townhouses. Years gone by, if a site was above 3,000 square metres residential, it was a good case to get it get it changed into townhouses, as well as a zoning called emerging community. Now, they've, they've clamped down on that, and, and it was really just stopped people who lived in lovely Queenslanders, Queenslander-style homes from carving off the back and turning into two townhouses and yep. make it a bit unsightly. 
what they've done is ruin that townhouse market. You still can, can build townhouses with the right medium density zoning. Uh, there's just not a lot of that around. Mm. So, but like it will happen when, as the house prices grow, it'll come to a certain point where the highest and best use does become, you know, townhouses. But it's just a matter of getting those sites with the right zoning. Yeah, and I, I absolutely agree. I think that the more recent changes have really impacted the development yield for townhouses as well. But um, you've also got the emerging community land that, um, you know, they've completely changed the potential use there. But that also has a longer term impact on tightening the future supply in some pockets where we would have seen more townhouses coming to the market. Now, council are restricting the number of, you know, medium density mm. development so we're just going back to low density use which actually is a supply issue we're actually not going to get the supply that we need to keep up with this growing population and i know town planners you know are jumping up and down about it as well just saying it just does not make sense in a rapidly growing city especially when we've got this accelerating population growth yeah, I, I agree it's, it's illogical and I, I think it'll end up changing in years to come mm, but don't speculate on that because um, no. you know <laughs> de developers won't touch Look, we're selling plenty of sites which would be townhouse sites because there's own emerging communities. For example, the one at Curry I'm talking about, mm. they won't even touch it for townhouses. It's no. just too much of a fight with council. Yeah, and that's interesting because, you know, you want to make sure that you've got um, some sort of clarity in terms of what you're buying before you're actually entering contracts. And I, I suppose, and, and in fact, that's a question to ask. Are developers... Um, you know, looking at long-term contracts with due diligence clauses to try and get approvals through first, or are they, they you know, Gen getting the yeah. site secured and then going through that process? No, generally the way we'll, when we sell something, it's probably, it's, it's rare to get a developer just come in and just pay cash unconditional. They only do that if they've got the approval or it's a code accessible development with very few hairs. But um, we're seeing... There's always a premium for something that's approved and something that's not approved, but we've never seen such a difference between um, for, for the premium between approved and non-approved. Just on that, between uh, the premium for an approved development versus something that's not approved, does that apply at all levels of the market? Obviously, the larger the project, potentially the higher the premium on having something that's already approved. Is that the case or does that not necessarily apply? For example, if you've got a smaller site um, in a boutique um, you know, a blue chip location for a small project, how much value does that add to have that approval in place before, you know, you sell? It, it adds enormous approval because it just opens up, it, it adds enormous value because it just opens up more developers. Okay. Yeah. You, you'll appeal to not only the local developers who know the nuances of council planning the market, you'll actually then get out of town interest who that takes away a, a significant risk for them. So they, they're mm. not, maybe they're still exposed to market risk or finance risk, but they're not exposed to planning risk. So it's the age old story, more buyers, more competition, higher price. Mm. Yeah. So it, it certainly, it certainly does. So look, you know, if, if we could get our hands on, you know, approved land subdivision sites, they're just gold at the moment. Absolutely. And I guess it's a risk mitigation strategy. Um, I know we picked up a site just recently for a client that had an approval in place. And I guess it depends on what it's been approved for. If it's the right approval that matches the market, then I definitely think it would add value. But in this instance, um, the, the approval was in place, but you would never get a building approval right. for this particular plan. So potentially someone that was less experienced went yeah. through and um, got a council approval and a development approval, but 
there was no wheelchair access um, to comply. You know, so yeah. obviously developers need to know um, what, what they're putting through council because there's another stage beyond development approval before you can actually start building on the site and that's building approval. Absolutely. So, and, you know, the operational works approval for subdivisions is, is the other one. So mm. the devil's in the detail once again, just because you've got something approved, is, is it what the market wants and, and what are the conditions, you know, what are the conditions on the approval? Absolutely. Are they making you upgrade all roads around it? You know, are they allowed to develop the whole thing? Have you got to upgrade the sewer? Like it's it's very specific. Sorry. So there's a premium on um, on quality product that's already approved, but, um, you know, it's just all about the detail, as you've mentioned. Yeah, so you're definitely going to do your homework on, on that side of things. And, look, we've had it before with sites ourselves where we've gone through a DA, but we've made sure that next process was underway. Um, so that it is something that people can actually build as well. Yeah, look, we, we, we try and de-risk a site as much as we can going to the market. Mm. We'll engage town planners or ecologists. Developers aren't, aren't fools, and we always find that you get the best results by just giving them the property warts and all. Here's all the technical information. Go your hardest, come back to us in six weeks, what you think it's worth. I think it's a safe approach. Rather than going to the market and they uncover issues, oh, gee, we didn't know that, and then the deal falls over, let's <laughs> to seller and agent heartbreak <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that we've covered most of sort of brisbane and mm. sort of their outer lining areas brisbane obviously we're starting to spread mm. our wings quite rapidly what about between the gold coast and the sunshine coast what are those sort of markets like they're off the charts I, i'm not as heavily involved with them but it's look it's it's the same old story there's no supply and um yeah look just record prices i mean the gold coast is always an area that goes up and down more mm. than any, it's more more highs and lows than any other market in australia but it's particularly hot at the moment mm. they have a fairly constrained land supply as well as does the sunshine coast mm. it's it's all driven by where is that where's the footprint for southeast queensland where can you develop mm, they're not unlocking large chunks of land it's going to continue to grow yeah only that northern corridor between the Gold Coast and Brisbane, um, you know, where we're continuing to see new land subdivisions happening um, throughout that Logan region. But um, other than that, you know, the back end of the Gold Coast, the western side of the southern parts of the Gold Coast are more tightly constrained. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly right. And yeah. and and look, that southern part of the Gold Coast is particularly hot where, you know, it's close, you know, and, and, and northern New South Wales. Yeah. Mm. The Hemsworth effect, as it's called. You know, everyone, <laughs> everyone, everyone wants to be down in that, that southern part. Of the, and that southern part of the Gold Coast is a lot more owner-occupied territory, Palm mm. Beach all around there. There's a lot more owner-occupied demand, which is, I stress, is a lot, hasn't really, hasn't really plateaued or gone down like the investor market. Mm. So we, we talked to a lot of agents in, in the, uh, the residential side of it. Um, their listing numbers are pretty low. You, you mentioned earlier yours are pretty tight at the moment as well. They are. They are. Look, it's, you know, but, but not all markets are super hot. Um, there's other other regional centres which which are still struggling. And the regional thing's interesting because you just got to be careful what you read. There's a lot of talk how with COVID, everyone's working from home and everyone's <laughs> living, you know, the devil's in the detail. Again, it's regionally, some of these statisticians include Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, which are major cities. That's right. And look, 
Gympie is a good example. It's an area which hasn't moved in value for the last 10 years and all of a sudden it has moved because it's 45 minutes from Noosa. Yeah. But whether that extends to other areas like Gladstone or Townsville or Mackay is, is another thing. Mm. And for how long, you know, the short-term demand might last because we'll fall into our own ways when we, you know, return to the normal way of doing things, which I'm sure, you know, may happen in the future. That's right. But having said that, there's other areas which are genuinely more more active, like um, the scenic rim, like looking at listings, land subdivisions out, rural land subdivisions, you know, 4,000 square metres upwards at Boone or, or Allara or, or these sorts of areas, which are still close to town. You can still a day trip from Brisbane, mm. but people, it's a very unpleasant environment. It, you know, the tree change movement's quite real, but... Yeah. Owners have to be realistic how much people are going to pay for that. You know, who's your ideal type of clients? Realistic sellers. <laughs> <laughs> they they're, they're, they're rare. <laughs> okay, so if there's any realistic sellers out there, how do they get in contact with you? Well, they uh, they can call me Andrew Burke, oh four one seven six oh six one two eight, or get on Ray White Special Projects uh, website and have a look. Um, we like to think we're the market leader in selling development sites and we've got a fairly refined process which will hopefully not just get your market value, hopefully get your premium value. So, And we'll put those details um, with your permission in the show notes Absolutely. so people can get in contact with you and I guess anyone that um, may be a developer looking for a site, good for them to get in contact with you Absolutely. as well to discuss yep. what's coming up. And um, Homeowners yeah. who have a site which is future development or a developer looking to on-trade, yeah, that's definitely who we can assist. Yeah, look, I, uh, I can personally sort of, um, give you guys a bit of a tip there because we, we have worked together before yeah. um, and I would highly recommend um, getting in touch with Andrew and the, and the team at um, Ray White Special Projects. So, mate, look, thanks for the chat. It's been been great to catch up, um, give us a bit of an idea of what's happening in that, uh, we'll call it the sort of development sort of area, I suppose. Um, really appreciate you coming in to have a chat with us. Um, I'll let Melinda wrap up and, and say thanks again. So um, that's it for me. Thanks very much for listening, everyone, and uh, take care and bye for now. Yeah, really appreciate your time today, Andrew. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks very much, Scott and Melinda. Glad to see your business is going so well. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. Look, I hope you've enjoyed this episode um, talking about where that future supply is coming in terms of the Brisbane property market in, based on what is selling in that development space. Um, as always, if you do enjoy this podcast, please don't forget to leave us a rating and tell your friends and family about the podcast so that we can spread the news um, all around Australia and, in fact, all over the world. Um, until next week, uh, we'll talk to you again then. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.